On this episode of The Exhaustive Majority with Tim Ryan, produced by We the People, Tim and I talk about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, of course, giving us joy in these trying times. And by trying times, we mean the exhausting, barely averted government shutdown. We also talk about food, specifically the food is medicine movement. Sometimes looking back at how it was done is a way to move forward. We end up talking about stoicism and Coach Wooden. Thank you for tuning in. Here we go. Tim, very nice to see you again. Parker. I know that you just got back from a long week of travel, so kind of mm -hmm. excited to catch up. One thing that I wanted to start out with, I don't know if you've seen this on the social media, but the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey romance question Phenomenon. Mark. It's turned into... It's so it's, crazy. Yeah. It's nuts. Uh, so have you, have you been following it? Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I had to bet the Chiefs last night just to see if we could take this thing out for a spin, you know. <laughs> it didn't work out, but, uh, yeah, it's been great. It's been great. I've had, uh, you know, my niece ended up seeing a couple of the concerts this summer, and so we've been talking a lot about her and her impact on the world. And just, man, her microphone has gotten so big in just in the last however many months, and then to see it kind of converge with the – culture of nfl football is just like kaboom yeah. <laughs> that's just it just i mean what aspect of society are we missing here you know you've got her you got everything you got music and the entertainment piece and then you got nfl football in september october um as things start to heat up it's just really it's kind of cool kind of fun to watch it is fun to watch and you know i'm kind of i think that the response has been so huge. I mean, Travis Kelsey's jersey sales went up 300%. You know, I yeah. mean, we have Swifties wearing Kelsey jerseys. and But I also just getting this sense, right, and something that we, we talk about a lot, but the sense that it's like the people are begging for this kind of stuff to put their energy into. They they feel so many other kind of parts of, of kind of world anxiety, of country anxiety, of, you know, the looming shutdown, which we'll talk about a little bit later, you know, is that they, and then they just see something like this and they're like, as you were saying, right. How big is this? How amazing is feels this? So good. Yeah. yeah. It just feels good. <laughs> Happy joy. You know, that we've talked about a lot on the, on the podcast here is like joy. Like people are, you know, looking for, for happiness, for some joy. And then to see her in the box, like really cheering and, and she's like, let's fucking go. And then like people are saying she's not, shouldn't talk that way. I'm like, everyone talks that way. What are we talking about? You yeah. know? And just to see her up there having fun, she's with her, you know, Kelsey's mom and like they're hanging out and it just seemed like, so like genuine, it didn't seem like, Oh, these are two people just trying to sell more jerseys or, you know, stay in the cultural streams. It seemed like oh, something little magic may happen. And, uh, yeah, just two, you know, yeah, seems like two two cool people just like having like some fun. That'd be like our royal wedding, you know? Like the, I think the, <laughs> yeah. the, the country would come together. <laughs> There'd NFL, be like parades. football, and, and Taylor Swift. <laughs> Holy cow, yeah. But it's fun, and I think that's exactly, you know, kind of the, the point that you were making is that I think the country is just so thirsty uh, for for some level of just like – joyfulness and fun and like cool and and uh you know you're certainly not getting it from politics and uh yeah so 
thank God for Taylor Swift and Kelsey, you know? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Go Chiefs. Go Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one thing that I've always, you know, Taylor, she, she always dips her toes into politics, right? Like, I mean, and I yeah. think in a very responsible way. And I think as much as, um, as you know, we should expect, right. Kind of celebrity to, you know, to kind of, to get into that arena. Um, did you see her, you know, national, you know, kind of voter registration, you know, tweet, I mean, basically all she has to do is like tweet, put it out on her social media spheres and, you know, you yeah. get like an amazing effect. I mean, what's, yeah. what do you think about celebrities in the political sphere and, and how they, you know, how they kind of maneuver around it? And do you think politics likes it or, you know, as a former <laughs> politician, what did you kind of think when, you know, you're like, get out of here, you know, this is my arena. Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's cool. I mean, we're all we're all citizens and so many of these artists write about things that are, you know, happening to people um and life experiences that are shared by fellow citizens, so they, you know, clearly are always influencing the culture and as we say politics is downstream of that culture. And I think it's you know, being a responsible citizen is is awesome. Um you know, without jamming it down someone's throat, I think, you know, uh, or being divisive about it. Like we see a couple, you know, a couple of the country music uh, stars are, are intentionally being divisive in a yeah. time when the country needs to heal. And I just feel like that's not the job of the artist. The job of the artist is above politics. It's, it's you know, you're almost... Um, a religious figure of sorts, you know, the Pope doesn't weigh in on every little political thing or no, should he, um, you trying to set, set the high bar, set the high standard. And I think she's done that. And I think she's done that in a way that's very classy. I mean, that clip of her from a few years back and the argument she was having, have you seen that with her, with her, must've been her dad and her, yeah. one of her managers about, you know, you're in the South. You can't say these things. It's going to hurt your career. And she's like, fuck it. <laughs> I mean, that was her, that was her instinct, you know? Um, and so now I think because of what she sings about, and I'm not a huge Swifty, not because I wouldn't love her music, but because it's just never been like super introduced to me um, until like this summer. And I'm like, I got to get into this, but um, for her just to say, go, go vote. It's like a huge contribution because young yeah. people, her audience is going to go vote. They're going to vote climate. They're going to vote choice. They're going to vote tolerance across the board. They don't have to agree with every detail, but they're going to be a, a tolerant group of people, uh, a strong group of uh, women uh, that we need in the body politic today. So all in all, man, a huge, huge net gain for it. You know, I mean, I wish... I wish she was dating a Cleveland Brown, but you know what are you gonna do? <laughs> can't have all can't have you all can't your dreams have it come all. true. <laughs> yeah, and you make such a good point. I mean, if we you know kind of switch it up, politics is downstream from culture, and you know, but say for a second it wasn't, you know, and and we need these artists, right? We need this, you know, to to feel good, to to give us joy because politics isn't doing that, right? Like, what if we switch it and like, what if in these days, in this last week, if politics was the top headliner, which it's certainly, you know, they certainly tried to do by threatening to shut down the government. You know, um, they certainly tried to take away a little bit of that joy that 
know, we're all feeling from this uh, budding romance. Um, and and that's kind of, you know, that's, you know, we, we try not to talk too much about politics, you know, and what's going on in D.C. here. But, you know, what what is, I mean, what is up with this every, it seems like every time we get a spending bill, every time we need to pass to keep the government open, we go through this process, which, you know, for the last 10 days has been the government's going to shut down. Or we're going to, you know, or this is going to be a terrible bill. They're not going to, you know, the Senate bill isn't going to match up. Child care is going to close. You know, national parks are going to close. Like, right? It's like just throwing this to our face. You have, you know, two decades of experience in kind of dealing with this. But it's obviously, <laughs> um, it seems it's just ratcheted up. Like, what what has happened, Tim? Like, and can you give us a little viewpoint on how this, one, how this all works and why are we at this stage now? Yeah, it's a been it's a complete breakdown of of uh, the political system. I mean, completely broken. And I, you know, I've enjoyed my nine or ten months out of out of politics a great deal, but never as much as like this past week. <laughs> Just watching <laughs> this, I'm like, I've done that. I've done that five or six times. I mean, like, what is it no like? there's nobody in the office buildings there there's nowhere to like there's nowhere to go um everyone's grumpy as fuck because like nobody's getting paid so staffers are there and like um trying to to fix it and there's always a handful of assholes that are like ruining it for everybody you know even like mm -hmm. the house gym like the house gym was like my sanctuary it's where you could go you get a workout in you know get your staff can't get in there like you could be completely <laughs> like yeah completely go down there and read you know you just like chill out make some calls whatever so the house gym closes down you know i just there's just towels are piling up and like you know you can't and it's like even the one place where you could go for like sanctuary it it that goes away too and so like everybody's miserable and nobody can talk to the five ten people that are hanging the whole thing up like they're completely mm -hmm. disconnected from the reality of the situation they have to be in the spotlight it it never it never ever whether it's you know a, a, on the debt uh, ceiling or closing down the government on a budget thing it never fucking does anything never mm -hmm. there's never like oh we really like shifted the course of the you know republic because we did it doesn't do that at, at all and it's immature it's a bunch of juveniles who just like being in front of the camera and getting on TV and feeling like they've they've done something. They did a bloodletting and it doesn't get us anywhere. And I just it's it, the fact that it keeps happening. Like I tell people all the time when Democrats took over in 2007, they took over the House and the Senate. George W. Bush was still president. There was a war going on. Um, it, raging and, and there were half the country wanted us out immediately. And and yet we still passed a budget like mm -hmm. we like raised the minimum wage. We made some investments. We did some whatever that Bush wanted um, and Bush signed it like the government was still like moving on. There wasn't a shutdown, even though we had a divided, you know, um, a divided government. And, and that was kind of like the mature thing to do in the midst of all of the fighting. And now it's, there's none of that. There's no, like, we're going to compromise. We're going to work with the Democrats. You know, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And, uh, it's just, it's, it's frustrating for the whole country to watch this just 
it's a shame that it keeps happening. And I think this is why people would rather, you know, talk about Taylor Swift and Kelsey than they would about the government. Where's the aspiration here? Where's the vision mm-hmm. here? You know, where's where are we going as a country here? There's no collective like um, vision that, that we all can agree on. And I think that's part of it, too. Like these guys should be absolutely isolated. Like they're, yeah. they're trying to they're trying to bully everybody. They should be absolutely isolated, you know. And I don't know quite how you do it, but it's just uh, it it shows. And then last thing I'll say on it is, it's a um, it is an absolute symptom of the just disintegration of the Republican Party. I mean, yeah. there's no way this would happen under any other like like strong leader. You know, strong leader would. Mm-hmm. Take take them to the woodshed, but that's part of the problem. Is they're not there for because I my my thought would be, isn't there a bridge in their district? I mean, here's what I would do: <laughs> I'd get these five guys. I would find the absolute most important thing happening in their congressional district: the bridge that that's needed, the you know, decongest traffic. Like, is there is there a river that needs cleaned up? Like, what is the issue in that congressional district? I would add it to the budget. Like, here's a hundred million dollars, asshole, for your congressional district. Are you going to vote against it now? And let Mm -hmm. and it probably would. (laughs) Yeah. No. I mean, that's the problem, right? They absolutely would. Yeah, and then you go to their district and you say, like, this guy doesn't care about you. It's not about you. It's about him. Yeah. I mean that, and I do. You know, I do want to spend a little bit more time because, like, I think that with nine or ten months of being away from, you know, the kind of the group think that happens in Washington, D.C. and and just generally the the process. I mean, we do have to find like this cannot like, is this the rest of our lives? Like, is this the rest of our lives? <laughs> I mean, really, like, it's I, I mean, I don't think it's sustainable. And I don't think any and, and I do think that nobody wants that. Right. Nobody wants if you put it in a poll, national poll, everybody. Hey, Every uh, every two years, do you want to you know have the th- you know government shutdown, you know, or at least like the large threat looming, you know, eighty five percent and eighty five percent no, right? One hundred, like yeah. it's in on in, in every district. So yeah. how do we, you know, without and and I and I do like your your political strategy of the, the hundred million dollars. The it kind of reminds me like the bridge to nowhere, right? Um, like whatever, we'll build it, you know. Um, (laughs) but like, what, like, what are we doing? You know, I mean, and I like, how really do we bring these people back into the fold? Um, do you have any thoughts on, I mean, truly, 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 like, I think some of them got to go. Right. I mean, I think there's a few (laughs) like, so they, they, you know, the Republican party needs to do their thing, but the rest, right. Just where's the agreement to that? We're not going to we're not going to do this. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, again, the, the party, they're they're members of the party that protect the insanity. They that and that's why even the good guys, you know, um, who have protected this, the development of this kind of culture, um, you know, What's the old saying? You know, you got the you got the tiger by the ears. You know, there's no win here. <laughs> you know, yeah. just, you let go and you're screwed and you hold on if you're you're screwed. But you 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 created this in environment here 
um, where you're just, you know, you now they have no control over it. So even, even though the ones who like wanted to exploit the insanity to get elected, whether it was John Boehner who did it, um, and then it was Kevin McCarthy who did it. Yeah, I don't know how much longer this can go on um, yeah. before leaders within the Republican Party can actually get control of the party again. But doesn't sound like it's happening anytime soon because, you know, our guy, the big Donald Duck is uh, is still in charge and he's certainly not going to let that happen. So we this is for the foreseeable future. And that's why as many disagreements as I have with with uh, the Democrats in, in some ways, I wouldn't say many, but, you know, a, a few key disagreements on where the party needs to be. Um, it It's so far more responsible than what we're seeing here today. So it's like that's that's just a clear shot. But until the culture changes, you know, until, you know, young here, here here's like a young evangelicals, you know, young Christians, young, you know, maybe Republican pro environment, you know, pro dealing, doing something with climate tolerant. Um, they gotta, they gotta rise up and say, this is, you're, you're, you're screwing our future here, you know, yeah. as, as young people. And maybe that's what it will take, you know, yeah. but if the Democrats are smart, I would try to get those people in our coalition. You know, I mean, you're young, you're tolerant, you're, actually a christian like you actually try to follow the teachings of jesus which is like a really good thing um <laughs> and you're you know you're, you'd got want to deal with climate change and you may have some issues around um you know some of the culture issues but you come to it with an open heart and a view of tolerance and respect and you're able to separate your particular religious beliefs and convictions from your what what the civic and legal aspects of protecting other citizens are and their rights to do things as they see fit and to be free citizens too. There's a little bit more room in there for, I think, some younger evangelicals. Um, so that could be an interesting, you know, could be an interesting coalition, you know. Oh, my God, that'd be great. And I think, Wouldn't you know, be fun? the Democrats could also use a little bit of younger, you know, younger representation. I mean, I think that you know, just because we elect Maxwell Frost doesn't doesn't get us totally uh, out of the age uh, age gap. You know that that there is. Uh, you know, speaking about your, I, I just want to do just a shout out, just because I think it would be fun. But you know, and you could you know spend a couple couple minutes thinking about this um, or a couple seconds really. But like, let's <laughs> shout out like a Republican that you worked with, reasonable. That you know, um, that you're just like, we need more. We we need more folks like you. Well, you know, I, I used to work with uh, Anthony Gonzalez, who was uh, up in Canton area, and I had Akron and Youngstown, so we our districts were very very close to each other. He you know voted for impeachment of Trump. Very reasonable guy, business guy, for, former football star for Ohio State. So he was very much go Buckeyes, athlete. go Bucks. Um, kind of, kind of a you know a, an athlete's uh, uh, a peak performer's mentality, you know, winner's mentality, and didn't like to deal with all of the BS. But he's gone now. Um, I think David Joyce, who's a very good friend of mine up in the Cleveland area, um, pro labor. Republican, um, 
understands the issues around the environment and um and you know wants to be helpful and just thinks you know democrats spend money on stuff that's not working which is a very very reasonable you know the amount of money that we do spend on things and we're not getting the results that we want whether around poverty or health care or whatever just because you spend the money doesn't mean it's working and we still have generational poverty in many many cities that you know we're just we're, we're incapable of coming up with new ideas to kind of get us out of this mess. So that's a reasonable um, complaint. Now, with all of these guys, I I wish there was more, you know, courage to take on the the parties, um, their own party. Um, But those are, you know, Kevin Yoder was a great guy out in Kansas. I I worked with him very closely on the Appropriations Committee. Um, I I said David Joyce. Um, So there's you know, I've worked with Mike Turner in Dayton, Ohio, on some on some um, cool issues, um, but there there are good people out there, but they get swallowed up and and, they, and you have to ask yourself, am I gonna like? Uh, I'm chair of X committee. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna whistle in the wind, trying to do something. I'm gonna lose m- my seat, and in in some sense, it's like, well, who cares? It's your seat. Go get a job. But in the other sense, it's like it takes you 20 years to build up for your community. Like I represented Youngstown. It took me 20 years to get to the point where I was vice chair of the Defense Appropriations Committee. You know, I had real seniority on the committee. So it wasn't just me. It was like what I was able to do, bringing back hundreds of millions of dollars from my district. So then the political calculation for those guys is it's not just me. It's about the next person that follows me is going to have zero seniority, zero influence, zero ability to bring money back to the district. Um, And is that ultimately in the best interest of the people that I represent? That's their calculation, you know? And I think like when your democracy is under threat, like it potentially could be if Trump got elected, then you better fucking stand up because there's going to be, there's going to be nothing for you. So I understand the calculation but there's so much risk on the other side. And if you just had a handful of guys, men and women in the Republican Party with the guts to do what's right and the guts to say no, like you see from, from you know, a, a handful of them, um, they get primary, they get death threats, they get, you know, and they lose their seats, many of them. Um, it's not worked. But I think if a collective group of them said no, um, you know, like a Mitch McConnell, like a Kevin McCarthy, no, it's not, we're done. No, we're not yeah. going to risk the republic for you. Maybe it would change, but I don't well, see that nice. level of courage. I don't know if you see that level of courage out there. <laughs> I, I've missed it if it's been on the news. No, uh, you've, you've not missed it. It has not um, appeared. So that's great for all of us. And in that, we should switch topics because – that was that was a quite depressing end, you know? Tim. Thank you. <laughs> we need like cigarettes when we do that because I just need I don't smoke, but you know it'd just be nice to have some soothing, some little transition. Oh, well, jeez, my big it soothing. is bad though. But no, honestly, like you just feel bad talking about it. Yeah, you just yeah. but you just but we, like you but we have the energy to, of your but yeah we have to we have to acknowledge it. It is no, it's 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 horrendous. Because you don't see the progress towards solutions to having a little bit of a semblance of your kind of regular political life back. Like, 
it didn't always used to be like this and we were doing just fine. Like we have not, like things have not gotten better politically. Like I think we should just let everybody acknowledge that, right? Is that at some point we took a left turn where we should have taken a right, you know, like, I mean, there was two choices and like, and we just be like, we see be like, look, oops, oops, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And just go back. And I think that's, you know, I think that as humans, we're, you know, we have a tendency to not admit mistakes, but there was a mistake. And, and look, and look what's going to happen now. I mean, like now we're going to have, there's no, almost no question that Trump's going to be the nominee. Yeah. I mean, I, I, if I watched that debate and I mean, I think Nikki Haley is going to get a serious bump from that. Um, but you're much more that, optimistic than I am. I am. Well, I've, I, oh, don't have, I don't I don't I don't have I don't have 20 years of DC to bring me down, you know. I'm I'm a I'm a spring chicken. <laughs> it's heavy, man. It's heavy, man. It's heavy. Uh, no, but I mean, look, I mean, I think, you know, pun, you know, pundits polling all that stuff. Yes, it does look like Donald Trump has has it wrapped up um and he's going to be the nominee. Um so I mean, it is very much resembles in maybe flat out cult following. So I don't, you know, I don't know what Nikki Haley could say. Um, and, and those guys aren't going to all get out, you know, Tim Scott's not going to get out cause he's angling the BVP for Trump. Right. So he's not getting out. Christie's not getting out. I mean, Christie's going down, you know, no, which I'm, I'm surprised just, that you brought up the Donald duck because the Donald duck duck thing really fell flat for me, but I have seen that it's kind of, permeated through um i thought it was, i didn't see him actually deliver the line but i think it's hilarious i mean i think it, yeah. it you know maybe because i'm i have a, a nice juvenile sense of humor and i was like <laughs> <laughs> any cartoon reference you're gonna get my attention but yeah. i thought it was i thought it was pretty funny and i you know it just <laughs> i just thought it was funny and and i just I enjoy watching a guy from New Jersey just like go after Trump, like a Democrat, Republican, like, you know, I just, I enjoy seeing that on the, the New Jersey street fight yeah. <laughs> happening right and, in real time. And, and Chrissy seems to relish it. Right. I mean, that's what, you know, I think that there's like the, the honorific fighter where it's like, I'm doing this for the good, you know, but I think Christie just likes to throw blows, you know, it's just, well, that, it's that, just was how... that was the, that was the New Jersey part. That I mentioned. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Got you've heard it. my, I, you've it. heard the, I, you've heard the Irish, you've heard me use the Irish saying, is this a private fight or can anyone get into it? So I don't know <laughs> if, if Christie's Irish or not, but uh, I think he's definitely embracing that sentiment of like, yeah, it's a fight. I, I need in. I want in on this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, too funny. Uh, switching topics, moving on from politics, um, doing one of the things that we like to do best here at We the People is talk about, you know, innovative solutions, um, ordinary people doing extraordinary things and, you know, slightly different ways to solve problems, right? Uh, mm -hmm. And for me, I'm a, I'm a big foodie. And during the summer, I basically don't cook. I eat at taco stands. I eat at beer gardens and I just go over to my friends places and just like when they're, when they're grilling, we're doing a barbecue, I go eat their food. <laughs> and it's, it's crazy. I'm a, I am a freeloader. I'm a freeloader. It's really, <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised I'm allowed. I just show up. 
Uh, but in autumn, I, I start like sinking back in. You know, I kind of I, I hang around a lot my house and so i and so then i have to start you know providing sustenance football. for myself well, yeah games, and yeah football yeah. um yeah and i'm like a i'm like an extroverted introvert so like i really kind of enjoy these you know kind of quiet times and we're on a couple text threads and that's you know that's really that's me communicating to the world is what is what you see <laughs> so just no just know that you're you're very special but <laughs> I, this is a very long-winded way to being like, I now pay attention during the fall of what I put into my body, you know, try to cook whole foods, try to cook, you know, good, organic, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I've heard you talk about something that I really hadn't kind of put into focus, but, you know, food is medicine. You know, I was just taught yeah. that you should eat this because, you know, you cannot live off McDonald's you will die. And I was like, okay, there. you know, I get that. Um, you know, but then there's, you know, there's this whole movement, right? There's a whole movement about food is medicine that we, that we do have people who are, um, well, you could do, you could do a much better job of describing it than I can. Yeah. Um, it, it's fascinating. I just, just it, 20 years in Congress, I was always, I used to like, cause I came from, um, of economically depressed area. I was always looking for innovative economic solutions, technologies, you know, what was the next thing that I could help get our community in front of so that they can have sustainable growth, 3D printing, additive manufacturing, clean energy, whatever, whatever. And that quickly started to extend in that, well, how, how are we innovating in other areas? Um, and as you know, I wrote a book on meditation and that was like a real innovative, it's 3000 years old, but I don't know, like healing for like, America or healing America. You can find it on amazon.com. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Healing America. Yes. Um, great book, by the way, makes for a great holiday gift. <laughs> <laughs> but I, so I like the, the mindfulness practices. Um, were helping with trauma. They were help innovative ways, very low cost solutions to heal, you know, healing trauma in school kids and veterans and all this stuff. So I kept getting into like, okay, what's the most innovative thing? And this all kind of led me to the, the food is medicine um, aspect or kind of ideas that you're talking about. And I fell into this because I met Dr. Mark Hyman at a, at a, uh, conference in New York City many years ago. And um, I met him and he's a functional medicine doctor. He actually started the Functional Medicine Institute at the Cleveland Clinic. And he became a very good friend of mine and, and my wife Andrea's and he's kind of almost like our family doctor. And he started to educate me about this. Um, and the idea that half the country has diabetes or prediabetes uh, is a huge issue that the fact that 75% of our healthcare costs are from chronic diseases that are largely preventable. You know, it's diet, nutrition, a little bit of exercise, some, you know, supplements. A lot of this comes because we have destroyed the soil that our food comes out of. And so our food is not nearly as nutrient dense as it used to be 40 or 50 years ago. All of the, the pesticides, um, that we're spraying on um, on on our crops, um, yeah. herbicides, oil based, 
oil-based. So where you're putting oil on your crops, it has destroyed our soil. We plowed it up, take out all the carbon. And so our food doesn't have the, the density, the nutrition that it used to have. And so we have these, these chronic diseases. We have these other issues, highly processed food. So what Hyman has come up with in a, in a, a you know, a whole group of people, Tufts university is, is, uh, just starting a food as medicine, um, clinic there. Um, you can reverse this chronic disease by doctors literally prescribing food, hmm. you know, that, that, that can move you from, you can, act, we're actually reversing diabetes. I mean, this fucks with people's head all the time. Like you, we are reversing diabetes just with food, nutrition, and diet. Wow. And you, you think like once you, you know, if you're pre-diabetic, you can not be pre-diabetic. If you have diabetes, you can actually reverse it and become healthy again. And you start factoring that into the healthcare system of what savings we would have. Two of the biggest drivers of the federal budget are the Medicare program and the Medicaid program, uh, healthcare for seniors, healthcare for poor, the poor. And there's an overlap there between the two. Um, that's driving our budget deficits. So this is why the, the conversation in D.C. is so stupid. I mean, like stupid in the actual sense of it's stupid. It's not making any sense. It's because there are there are solutions in the world that if we would really put some money behind around prevention, about reversing diabetes. I mean, literally half the country has diabetes or prediabetes. I think it's more now. Like if we literally said we're going to attack diabetes with food, and diet nutrition, and we're going to put money in up front, we will reverse it and drive down healthcare costs significantly. So this is what Dr. Hyman, uh, he's got a great podcast um, called The Doctor's Pharmacy. Oh, yeah. With an F. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's great. It's a great podcast, and he has great uh, guests on there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, w literally, like, this is an innovative solution, but what you're finding out with, like, with mindfulness – um, with, you know, how, how music enhances the brain to help you learn and learn math and helps coordinate your, you know, your neural pathways and that kind of thing. What you're seeing with food as medicine is like some of the new, you know, quote unquote solutions are really very old. And the, the problem is we talk a lot about on this podcast too, like there's, it's all about disconnection. Like the world's disconnected. We're disconnected from nature. We're disconnected from the deepest part of who we are. We're disconnected from each other. And so that leads to disease because the, nobody feels good. Mm -hmm. And that we're disconnected from like healthy foods. And so that leads to disease. And, and the solutions aren't, some of them may be technologically based, but I think some of the core ones are, are old school in the fact that we've got disconnected from from those basic approaches like how to cook at home how to have a garden yeah you know you know walk <laughs> and like stretch and work in a garden and like sweep and like my grandparents used to do you don't have to go to like planet fitness you know yeah. just <laughs> like, live your life it's like move just move you know live your life move eat well um, and you know, my grandparents lived into their, in, into their nineties because they had a pretty balanced life of like, they'd pray the rosary, you know, which was their kind of form of meditation, prayer and meditation. Yep. Getting keep, keeping their center. They had community support. They, they were, you know, supported around their, uh, their 
their church. They were involved in the community, and my grandfather's treasurer of his steelworker union. My grandmother was uh, part of the rosary club at, 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 the, at the church. So those kind of basic things, you know, it's like the Blue Zones. I don't know if anybody have seen the Blue Zone um, documentary on Netflix, but it's amazing. It's a book was called The Blue Zones based on a National Geographic reporter who traveled the world. And he started to find all these commonalities in these different areas of the world. And he'd walk into these villages, and there would be people there that were 100, 110, 115 years old. Wow. And he started to see them in different places around the world, you know, Sicily and I think Japan and others. So now, now that was a book and been a book for a while, and now it's a Netflix series. Um, and so basically the commonalities are they eat really lean, most, mostly fish, right, lean meats. Pescatarians. They, they garden olive oil instead of butter you know it's basically the mediterranean diet just like different versions of it they garden right they're always working in the earth yeah um they walk there's a lot of walking in the villages and like the and then, then they have tight tight social groups small tight-knit social groups that provide emotional support and connection that's very very important and so like this is like the core of health and we've completely disconnected from all that. We have, you know, millions of people live in food deserts. Um, they live in toxic environments. They don't walk. Um, they don't ride bikes. Um, you know, they don't garden. They're not into the, the, you know, working with the earth and plants and all of that stuff. They don't have good social connection. You think you do cause you have a phone, but it's not the emotional not the connection that you see. And so, you know, just to tie the whole room together here, and that's why you're seeing the deaths of despair numbers increase, the suicide numbers increase. I was just at a, a plumbers and pipe fitters conference last week uh, that I spoke at. And like the, the plumber in the plumbers union, this is amazing. In the plumbers union, the deaths by suicide are five times higher than deaths by accident at the work site. Wow. It's, it's, it's the, it's the lack of connection. I think some of it's diet, some of it's all of these things, but like, that's, that's how far away we've gotten from, from like, uh, just a healthy lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and I, that's, you know, that's why we started we, the people, I mean, we want to talk about like these real solutions to reversing disease. What, what does it mean to be healthy? What does it mean to live a meaningful and purposeful life? Um, that that's really important. And we've gotten away from it because our institution, now I'm, I'm on a complete rant now, but just because our institutions that, that used to cultivate and kind of bring that wisdom to the larger, broader society, those institutions are all corroded mm -hmm. now, you know, whether we, we often talk about the political institutions, um, that used to be fairly healthy in protecting the democracy. It was the Republicans who went to Richard Nixon and said, get the fuck out of here. Like, you're a fucking crook. Mm -hmm. you're, you're bad. You're poison. You're out. And the Republicans went to him and said, it's over. Right? Because I think the institutions, as is, 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 is bad as they can be, that was a sign of, that was like a stress test to the institution. And we passed. 
like the Republican Party passed. January 6th was another stress test to the Republican Party. It failed miserably, yeah. right? And that's why everyone's so worried about the democracy, because if you can't stand up for that, what's next? Um, yeah. And, and so it's just the, 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 the Boy Scouts, the corruption with the Boy Scouts, the corruption in the Catholic Church. Those are like major institutions that used to pass along wisdom to primarily young boys um, and they abused that responsibility big time. And now we have a crisis with men and boys, you know, because those, there's no institutions there. They're saying, here's how you go from childhood and adolescence into a mature adult. Here are the steps along the way. Here are the rites of passage along the way. Here's, here's the development of responsibilities. You've got to go on the altar. You've got to know your job. You've got to perform in the public. You've got to you know, meet your obligations, um, your religious obligations. Same with the Boy Scouts. There's all of these you know, boxes you've got to check along the way, more and more responsibility. Mm -hmm. So we've, those have been destroyed, political, social, religious organizations that carry the wisdom of the ages to our population now gone. And so now we're, we have a crisis on our hands and we've got to figure out, I think, you know, whether it's in the, it's in the medical field, like just think about the institutions of doctors visit with you for five minutes, <laughs> 10 minutes, maybe, yep, maybe, and they're out of the office and they're going to just, the default position is just prescribe you drugs. So the Hippocratic oath and all of that stuff, it's like, now it's like how much money, you know, is big pharma taking you on a trip this, this year or not, because you keep peddling their <laughs> prescriptions. Like that's a broken institution of healthcare, mm -hmm. you know, and everyone's making money on a disease care system when it should be about health, not health care. Yeah. It should be about health. wellness. So all of the wellness, all of this shit across the board, broken. And, uh, and then the, the, when the political, you know, gridlock is there, there's no like new ideas coming through the political system. And so now that's why I think a lot of people feel like we're in a crisis. They feel desperate. They feel out of touch. They feel disconnected. Suicide rates are up. Addictions up. Alcoholism's up. And, uh, you know, we long for Taylor Swift and Kelsey to like act, hold hands and like go on a date. Yeah, please. We want to hear all about please. it. It just gets us. Yeah. It just gets us out of the, gets us out of that, that rut that we're in right now. Oof. And yeah. I think that while we, <laughs> I think that while we always say innovation and new ideas, it is, it's totally fine to look back. Like, you know, we need to, get away from the hubris of futurism, you know, and be like, yeah. we actually did it really well back then. Right. That, yeah. that to, yeah. to ditch that for the sake of, of quote unquote progress, you know, to ditch our, you know, our farming habits, right. To ditch people caring about, Oh, soil should just be, you know, brown sand. Right. You know, like this is what soil yeah. feels like, um, you know, in our farmers, and we have a huge crisis coming, you know, when this, um, when kind of the last large generation of farmers um, retires or is no longer able to work the land, you know, we have a huge kind of institutional memory loss that's going to happen there. Yeah. And yeah, so, you know, it's sometimes it's okay, you know, just to look back, maybe eat an apple, you know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> keeps the doc keeps the doctor away yeah an apple a day <laughs> that was good that was that was good yeah. i like those 
Yeah. I like those simple marketing campaigns. Um, yeah, I mean, it's by just, the Washington it's, Apple it's, industry, by the way, which is you know, I'm <laughs> I'm in Washington State, so I was like, brilliant move, folks, brilliant move. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it it is true. And then you know, you, you eat an apple today, and it doesn't carry nearly the nutritional value that it used to. A carrot, I think you need to eat like seven carrots to equal one carrot that yeah. you used to have. Um, all of that. So we've got, but I here's here's why I'm semi optimistic. And this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to like put a put a flag in the ground here and say no. It, we the people. There are millions of people who want to have this conversation. There are millions of people who think this exact same way, and we want to try to tie them all together. Like if you're into mindfulness in schools or contemplative practices or all these really cool like ways of healing trauma breathing techniques that are 3000 years old contemplative practices meditations mantras like a lot of this stuff is very very powerful um and then you also see people who are pushing the food as medicine and functional medicine like groups you need to see each other as allies yeah and that we can all and then you look at the you know the psilocybin and mdma and healing trauma that all three of those groups are are allies you know, and, and using these techniques in prisons to heal people who are who are coming out and clearly a lot of trauma before you went to prison, a lot of trauma because you were in prison and a lot of, you know, good people did bad things. Those can heal them as well. And then you see the regenerative agriculture groups um, that are out there that are like actually sequestering carbon in the soil, rebuilding the soil. All of those people have a same mindset of like innovation, real solutions. And, and what we want to do, we, the people is let everybody see that they're connected at a really deep level, a really, they have the same kind of mindset and attitude on how you address problems. That's a coalition of yoke people who are in the yoga diet, nutrition, like that whole group of people. That's, tens of millions of people that could move the needle politically and we just got to figure out how to get together and we hope that we the people that this can be maybe one of the first organizations in the country that's actually trying to put all these groups together to me that's pretty exciting to me that's an optimist that's like okay what are we doing <laughs> how are we going to get out of this mess well yeah. first thing we got to do is like build a coalition of people that can actually move the needle and all of these groups have the same mindset and they should see each other as allies in it, and they should support each other in lobbying state capitals and lobbying Congress and pushing an agenda for presidents to talk about and lead on. Yeah. And if we can do that, we'll have real change, and it'll work, and it'll be we'll usher in a whole new era of like new uh, new politics. And that's what I want. That's what I want too. Badly. <laughs> that's why we're here. Yeah, that's, why, that's, that's why we're that's here. Why, that's what we're doing. <laughs> uh, so last week we talked a little bit about, um, you know, your thoughts on the Roman Empire. We talked a little bit about it. You really used it as a way to talk about Stoicism, which I found to be really interesting. Um, it's a, uh, it's not a place that I've spent a lot of time thinking about, but I thought it would be great if we, you know, maybe end these with some of these kind of sayings that you think about and that kind of affect your um, mentality and your decision-making and 
Just wanted to know if you had yeah. one to share while we I got, cruise I got out. one. Like I said, I, 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 I hit the Daily Stoic. Uh, I, it's in my Twitter feed and the Daily Dad, and I'm a huge Ryan Holiday fan. Um, and the new Marcus Aurelius one that I heard the other day, and there's a ton of them that I like, but I heard this the other day, and it kind of resonated given everything going on. If it's endurable, endure it. Stop complaining. <laughs> Boom. If it's endurable, endure it. Stop complaining. Because we, we have a no whining rule in my house. Uh, you know, Brady starts. <laughs> like, stop whining. No whining. Endure it. Mm -mm. Is that what you just say? Toughen up, kid. Huh? Yeah. And I, I, can, I, can I just share something as we're walking out on the stoicism piece? I started rereading because I'm doing some coaching now and some of Brady's teams. I'm doing his flag football team now, and I'm going to do his uh, basketball team in a few weeks. And so I started rereading my John Wooden on leadership book, and I'm just going to plant the seed because you're going to be hearing me talk about this here as, in the coming weeks. Um, but I'm reading John Wooden, who was probably the greatest college basketball coach in the history of NCAA basketball, 10 championships at UCLA, really the godfather of all coaching. Like he distilled his philosophy down into a pyramid. Um, it's called the leadership pyramid. Um, and anyway, I'm reading through this book again for like probably like the fourth time. Like it's fun to go back and I see all the stuff I underlined and all that. And, um, it's stoicism. Mm -hmm. Like I texted Ryan Holiday. I'm like, dude, this guy was a stoic, <laughs> you know, like he was talking about being in control of you're only in control of what you're in control of. He never talked about, he never talked to his team about winning. Never. Huh. Like he talked about you focus in the moment, you perfect the fundamentals, you work as a team. And that's success. You become the best you can be. He's got this great definition of, of success is like the satisfaction you gain basically by being the best that you can be, not compared to anyone else, you know? And like he had his finger on this stuff in like the 60s and 70s and 80s. And so like Belichick, I mean, you can't talk to a major coach today who doesn't espouse John Wooden or like absolutely deeply steeped and read up on, on Wooden. And it's like when I read the, the stoic quotes, when I read about stoicism and then I read about John Wooden and you see the depth of connection on a life philosophy and, and how to coach kids and make kids go from being boys to men and in a high pressure environment, it, reminds me of what we just talked about, about the, the futuristic, you know, like the, we're only going to have the answers because they're new. It's like, this is the winningest basketball coach in NCAA history, like 10 NCAA championships. I think it was like seven in a row or something. I can't remember. It's wild. Like how many in a row he had. And he's deep, deeply taught and understood like stoicism or at least the principles of it. And we want to like think of a new way to do it. It's 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 the argument for like reconnecting to these deep, deep, deep spiritual values that that our founding fathers understood. You know, a lot of them were Masons. Mm -hmm. What's being a Mason? It's just a series. You're you're the thirty 
33rd degree Mason. Every one of those degrees is a more sophisticated step of maturity, of enlightenment, of like understanding laws of nature and how the world works. And so like if Wooden's doing it and the Stoics did it and like very successful people espouse these philosophies, why aren't we infusing this into our schools for our kids totally. to learn so that we can rebuild the emotional infrastructure of the country so that we don't have the, the social problems on the back end. And that's ultimately like what we need. I feel like sports and coaches are like the vehicle that we should probably, you know, engage to do that. But the, these, these principles are so profound. They're so true they're true for fucking Marcus Aurelius and they're true for John Wooden and they're true for Bill Belichick and, and they're true for Phil Jackson, you know, like, and so why are we just saying if you're an elite performer at an elite college, you know, you can, you can have access to this stuff. But if you're a, you know, a black kid in Youngstown or you're a poor white kid in, you know, Appalachia, Ohio, like you don't have access to this stuff. Like, is that how we want to move forward? And I'd almost rather we just taught this stuff in school and like shop class and like a <laughs> modern version of home ec and some financial literacy. And like, we'd be good to go. We'd yeah. be absolutely good to go. Like you're going into the trades. You know how to live. You're yeah. not a balance checkbook. You know how to live. You got a skill and you're going to be a good person and you're going to be a good citizen. And, and that was the whole thing. Like school, like when Jefferson was promoting public education, like <laughs> he, he wanted people to be good citizens. Yeah. God, that was good. Yeah. Sorry. But we got to go. God bless America. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Exhausted Majority, produced by We the People, with your host, Tim Ryan, and myself, Parker Butterworth. We really hope you enjoyed our conversation. Please subscribe, share, comment, and follow for more episodes of The Exhausted Majority. You can also head over to www.wethepeople250.us to sign up for our email list. Until next time.